Six years ago, I met Pastor Carmen Means. Um, it was in a moment, I think, for our city where it was, it was a moment of, of heartbreak, trauma. Jamar Clark had just been killed by the MPD, and our city was on the edge. After that, after the occupation, we took a trip called the Sankofa Trip, where a group of us went down south to all these historic sites to learn the actual history of race and racism, and particularly the damage that white supremacy has been doing in our country for centuries now. And, and along the way, we stayed on a bus together. We had a lot of amazing, honest, hard, sobering conversations. There's one particular moment, though, that I'll never forget, and I learned something about leadership, and I learned about who Pastor Carmen is. There was some I actually don't remember what the thing was. But there was something that had been going on that wasn't good in the room. There was an absence of respect for one of the people on the bus. And people had kind of accepted it as just, it is what it, it's okay, it's not a big deal. Pastor Carmen said, no, it's a deal. Like you stepped on a toe that you should not have stepped on. And she, I, and she walked up to that front of the bus and she said, here's how it's going to be. Here's what we're going to do. And I'll never forget that because that's who she has been for me, for our city ever since. For years now, Pastor Carmen has been somebody who cuts past what is deemed to be palatable to actually contribute something that is substantial and important. And she's going to say what needs to be said and name the things that shouldn't be said and do the things that actually matter, and even if it doesn't always sound pretty. Pastor Carmen has been an instrumental voice. She has given her, her life and her leadership to the healing of our city, to the growth of our city, to us refining our feet. I mean, for years now, but especially this past year, post-George Floyd being killed. And so can you please give a very warm welcome and give due honor to Pastor Carmen Means as she comes to the floor right now. Thank you. Thank you. I got, like, crazy nervous, like, what story is he about to tell? Yeah. Let's go ahead and pray. Oh, creator, we thank you for being God. We thank you for being great, good, and kind and all that you are to us. We thank you that today is an amazing day. It's an opportunity. Um, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Be what only you can be. We thank you for the power of our ancestors, those that went before us. So with that, we declare that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Speak like only you can speak. Move like only you can move. We declare it is so, and we're open to it. In the name we pray, amen and ashe. Y'all going to have to help me out today. When I say amen, y'all got to say amen back to me. <laughs> Look, shout out to all the daddies in the room, all the fathers in the room. Y'all go ahead and give it up. Happy Father's Day to you. Yeah. Um, this is an amazing opportunity. I do not take this lightly. And um, I'm really excited because I don't think I've been in the room um, with so many people in quite some time. So, yeah, this is going to be dope. So, yeah, all the things that Matt said was, was, tr was, was true. Um, I met Matt back. We did a Sankofa trip. It was wildly uncomfortable, um, but it was very transformational. Um, and so, yeah, um, then we've managed to stay connected on and off. But, um, yeah, he's my brother, and I, and I don't take that lightly. I mean that, um, and I appreciate him for being who he is. So you all have a, a hell of a leader, so just know that you do. He's the real deal. Because if he wasn't, I wouldn't be here this evening. <laughs> so, yes, I am going to, I really don't have a topic, um, a subject matter, if you will, but I'm going to preach to you from Psalms 22. 
Um, and I was looking at this scripture. It's amazing to me how the word of God is like super crazy. People who know me often say things like, I can't believe that you still follow the concepts of Christ after everything that you've discovered, right? And the thing that keeps me solid and keeps me foundationally connected is because I've had amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit. And the love of God that's displayed through scripture just blows my mind, right? I think one of the daunting things, one of the heartbreaking things that we've done is that we've complicated the simplicity, yet the... Um, Man, the organic and yet the depth of what really love is and how love is lived out through the gospel and how we live out love. So we've maximized what we should have minimized and we've minimized what we should have maximized. When Jesus himself said, hey, yo, I know all those rules are there. Throw them away. <laughs> love your neighbor as I've loved you. Or he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the thing about the word of God, too, that keeps me stable is that you can read the same scripture over and over again, and it would give you new concept. It would give you new thought. And it's not that God has changed. It's that our visualization, our, our encounters with God has changed. It's not that um, the way that you've read it when you were 20, it means something different to you when you were 25. The way you were read it when you were in a certain thinking manner, it means something different to you now. That's why we consider it being the living word of God. So in Psalms chapter 22, and I'm going to read this, most of us were introduced to these words by Christ. Um, but actually, it was David that wrote it and that said it first. He did it first. And so with that being said, do we have the scriptures? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Psalms 22, um, the first version we will read from is the American version. It says this, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? It goes on to say, and it says, oh, my God. I cry in the daytime, but thou answerest not, and then in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Can we get to the message version? Cool. And you know, message just breaks it straight up down, so here we go. He said, God, God, my God, why did you dump me mouths from nowhere? Doubled up with pain, I call to God all the day long, no answer, nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. It says, and you are indifferent, above it all, leaning back on the cushions of Israel praise is asking a question. The first version, we're looking at Psalms chapter 22, I'm wildly in love with David. Number one, David speaks to not only David being king, but it also speaks to the total humanity of man. I believe that David gives us permission and an excellent example of what does it look like to be all human, but yet all divine. And so with that, we know that we are triune people, mind, body, and soul. So you know when you have those aha moments and you know that something told you, and my grandmama would say, baby, that something was your Holy Ghost told you. My grandmama was an old Pentecostal woman, right? And so, you know, when you walk in the room and you seem like you've been here before, that's your spirit man that has always been here. Yet and still, God has so amazingly designed us that we have a triune experience that speaks to not only our spirit man, but also our body and also our emotions. And the beauty about God today, one place that I want you to bask in and say lie in, that God is concerned and loves every part of the design would it have made. Ain't that dope? 
that God is not just concerned about your spirit man, but God is also concerned about your emotions. And then on top of being concerned about your emotion, God itself is concerned about the house that the emotions is housed in. That's something to be excited about because I think oftentimes as spiritual beings, we can walk around and think that there's just one part of the connectivity to the divine, but actually the fearfully and wonderful part of you is all of who you are. Somebody says all of who I am. So we have David that has a human experience just out and ugly a lot of times. Um, but he lives. We've seen David high and we've seen David low. We've seen David win and we've seen David lose. We've seen David triumph, but we also seen David murder. But yet we've seen him in all of that be divine. Ain't that something? So we see that David was the writer in, in Psalms 22 that's saying, my God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David's talking. And the thing that's beautiful about that passage in that context is that David speaks to the relationship that David has with God. David is not outside of himself to understand that it's just a conversation with just a normal being, but David has a relationship, so there's a my put on the front of that. We then see those various words echoed in Matthew chapter 27, where Jesus himself says the very thing, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let's go ahead and rip up that word forsaken. I was a youth pastor for many years. You know, when you're young and called, they trick you to be a youth pastor because you're too crazy. You know what I'm talking about. You're too crazy and too wild to be on the pastoral team, so they put you on trial. They put you on trial with a group of kids, and I, my prayer was, Lord, I'm cool long as they're high schoolers, but when they um, don't put me over the junior highs, that was my prayer. Exit me stage left, seriously, because I don't want to catch a case. Um, junior high kids. I have a 14-year-old that is just exiting that world. They are something else. But I remember doing that time of having these conversations and thinking about who God was to me. And I would have these wrestles on the inside of me. I would have conversations within myself that was not palatable for the community I was in. But yet and still, it was these my moments that I knew God to be not just God, but God being my God. Some of you, if you're honest, you're not here just because of the divine and because of higher power. You're here because it's that mind that does it for you. Yeah, David is looking and David is having this conversation with mine. And what I learned with being a youth pastor was this right here, that it's easier for kids to understand the depth, the death of a parent then to understand a parent that could be there but refuses to be there, or one that's present but absent. Yeah, that's present but absent. So when David says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? David is, is speaking to the divineness of God that is present, but yet I can't feel you. I'm going to give you all a crash course about being black. You know, we feel. That's part of our inheritance. We don't just hear, but you hear us say things like, you feel me? Come on, talk to me. You feel me? Because it's something about feeling, and really that surpasses just ethnicity. It's something in the human being experience that's about feeling. 
You don't have to be there, but the fact that you have seen it, it puts you in a place of connectivity. It changes the game for you. So David used verbiage like forsaken. Because God, I'm not questioning if you're there. My question is why I don't feel you. Jesus is having the same conversation we know years and decades later, but the question is not, God, are you there? The question is why I don't feel you. Yeah. And what amazes me about Matthew chapter 27 when Jesus is having this conversation is that it's in the sixth hour. It's during the time of crucifixion. It's close to the fulfillment of prophecy. It's not a surprise to Jesus that he is exiting the earthly realm. So there's a completion there. But what gets my attention, Matt, is how close we become to the fulfillment to destiny. And I'm not talking about a natural death only. I'm talking about what's happening to us as a nation, as a people now. It seems like the closer that I'm getting towards justice, it seems like the more protests and the more that I'm identifying with my privilege, the more I'm identifying with me even being a black woman of my anti-blackness, the more I'm identifying is that I was called to Christianity so that I can be able to be the voice and the prophetic cry of what Jesus was doing. How nothing about him was palatable, but everything about him was needed. It amazes me how I get closer and I'm, I'm ready to unpack I'm saying that I understand that this is messed up. I'm saying that the closer that I get to being like the divine, the more I feel and I'm seeing that it appears that God has forsaken me. Is that just me that feels that? I can't take another death. I'm, I know that we get really hyped about MPDs and I get that killing black bodies, but the truth of the matter between George Floyd and Dwight and, and, and the baby that was killed in Brooklyn Center, there was over 30 something um, homicides. And if you understand systems, you understand that it's the same system, just different uniforms. So the marches continue. The fight continues. But the more I turn on the news, God, where are you at? I didn't promise this to myself. You said that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Come on, holler at me because I'm not feeling you right now. I'm not questioning your existence. I need to know your location. Because I'm not ready to give up the fight, but I'm getting weary. I'm not ready to give up the battle. I want to learn more so I can grow more. I know that I got far to go, but I'm getting weary. Where you at right now? I don't know. For me, I will say how many more I can say we come this far by faith. I don't know how many more hymns that I can sing. I don't know how many different spaces I still can show up. I don't know how many funerals I have to continue to do. But Lord God, where are you at? Why has that my God, the one that I know you, the one that I'm worshiping, the one that I have put, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Where you at? Holla at your girl because I don't feel you right now and since you said that you are relational and you have a relationship with me I know that it's no harm no foul if I question your location because it can't be in Minneapolis 
I can't. Lord, where you at? David is having this conversation. And the thing about this, he's talking to God about a natural experience. He's talking to God about people that he is encountering. Because it's not the person, it's the battle. We know the scripture, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities in high places. We know that. David is having this conversation with David's self, so close to destiny and fulfillment. The recognition of awareness and self, the closure, the closer I get to turning around, the more I understand oppression, the more it appears that I'm abandoned. The more dinner conversations that I'm interrupting and saying, no, we don't say that no more. I know that was cool last Thanksgiving. We're not going to talk about that. The more I go to the powers that meet, the more I stand firm, the more I feel like abandonment. But the beauty of the scripture is this right here. Is that in chapter 3, David has a but factor. And my sons and I have these conversations amongst ourselves. And we say things, I'm very intentional about language. I'll say, okay, don't say always. Um, I find myself with so much grace towards my mom. <laughs> when you raise the kids, you got to go back and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a 20-year-old and a 14-year-old. I said, you want to come and hear me speak? They was like, nope. <laughs> One wants to come and hear you? Nope. Nope, but we want you to be good, mom. Um, but in our household, we try not to use words like always unless that is exactly what we mean. Let's be intentional about our language. We talk about that all the time. So if I'm intentional about the language, and I understand this is up for interpretation and that the writer may have used to the best of its ability what this meant. Verse 3 then puts the but factor out. And at home, I tell my boys, if you say something and you say but, that means that you have totally canceled out what you just said prior. David is conflicted. Because he opens up to say, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? But then verse 3, he said, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. <laughs> he says, but you are still God. Man. He said, I, two things can be true at the same time. Though I am troubled on every side, the New Testament version. Yet though I feel this mad frustration, but you are the Holy One. Yeah. Though I feel conflicted, but you are still God. <laughs> Though I don't see where this thing is going to end, but I trust the God that I am conflicted with. Mm, let's sit in that for a moment. Because if there is about two to three people in here that still choose to hold on to hope in the midst of all the conflict, I need you to just put your hands together and let the enemy know that he is still, she is still God. If that's you, go ahead and put your hands together. You have not lost hope. Your faith may be challenged, but you have those moments. The beauty about God and the beauty about scripture that I know to be true is that God is big enough to hold that. 
Yeah, God is big enough. Nothing is coming to us by surprise. To us by surprise. It's to us. We shop. But nothing is making God do the rock eyebrow. God not like, yo, <laughs> this, no, no, no. No, God is big enough to hold all that truth. Breathe in that. God is big enough to deal with your conflictedness. God is big enough to deal with my lower self, but yet my higher divine. God is big enough to be able to be cussed at and thrown the book to of why, but yet and still know that, yep, there's a plan attached to this. I don't even need to see the plan. I just need to know, does God still reign? Yeah, it's certain conversations that I know that my opinion was not weighted on, I was not three-weighted in on, and I'm fine with that, but God, are you still God? On yesterday morning, unfortunately, I got news that my oldest brother was killed in a motorcycle accident back home. And so on top of everything else that we are contending with, um, and what's crazier about it, I just thought about this, Matt, is that when my son heard he was killed, my son told, called my oldest son and said, yeah, Uncle so-and-so was shot because black men don't usually die. Come on, talk to me. We've been trained to think a certain way. And so when I walked in, Matt said, hey, yo, you know you ain't got to do this. I said, no, I, I need to do this. And the reason why I can is because I know that I serve a God that still reigns. I serve a God that's the God of justice, the God of love, the God of wholeness, the God of my conflict, the God of my inter, inter turmoil. I serve a God that yet and still that I feel that God has forsaken me, that present, but not available. But yet and still I trust God even when I don't see and understand his moves. I've had to learn to trust the God that I give the side eye to. I've had to learn to trust the God that I don't understand. I've had to learn to be connected to the God that I've heard my grandmother would just rock and she would just hum, not even understanding that during that time she was calming her, her, her inner spirit and she would just rock. Now, I had to trust the God that is the God beyond my words. And I invite you to trust that same God. The Bible says it like this. It said, many are called, but few are chosen. People gather all the time. We worship, but the work still has to be done. We praise, but the work still has to be done. And the work is often done in conflict. So I invite you to stand in your conflict. I invite you to remain uncomfortable. I invite you to weep and say lie in many moments. I invite you to question and be partly healthily suspicious of behavior. I invite you into that. I invite you to be just as David was, all human but yet all divine, wrapped in a beautiful body of existence to have these moments, but hold on to that but. But you, O oh God, are holy. But you, O oh God, are divine. But you, O oh God, are my God. If you're not wrestling with these conversations, I would check your pulse. 
I would check your intentions. And I definitely would check your privilege. If you're not wrestling with the conflict, because as a black woman, I wrestle. I wrestle with, is, is this for real, what's going on? But yet you, O oh God, are holy. God, the most gracious God you are. Mm. The most divine God you are. I thank you for this opportunity to be at the table with an amazing group of people. I can feel it from the doors to the front. Allow us in these space not to lean to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge you and you will, you are, and you do direct our paths. Allow us to hold on to the, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken us? But hold on to the part that you are holy. Allow us to sink in it. Allow us to hold it and be truly joint heirs with you. Allow your kingdom to come and will to be done in us and through us for such a time as this. Let our uncomfortableness not remove us from the table. So let us not get weary in well-doing. You are holy, you are gracious, you are good, and you are God. And you are ours. We stand in that, we sit in that, we breathe that in. In the name we pray, amen and ashe. I wanna end this with a corporate breath. Can we do that? With a corporate breath, and I might be a little selfish, so y'all do this with me. I'm y'all sister, right? Because oftentimes we just take it, and I want to give you opportunity so that you can breathe this in. And I love y'all. I do. And I thank you, Matt, for this opportunity. We're going to do three breaths, representing the divine and the divinity of who we are and who we represent. In life, we go so much that we forget the power of breath the power to breathe. And I tell people in the community, if you cannot control your breath, you cannot control your body. And for some of us, I said happy Father's Day, but for others, this is not a good day for you. It brings up heartbreak and disappointment. But as people of faith, we're gonna breathe this in. So just with your feet down and just sitting up, don't pass out with them doggone mask on. Yeah, I want you to close your eyes. It's been a heavy year, y'all. And I want you just to take a deep breath in. Breathe that in, breathe it in, breathe it in, the divine you are. Now go ahead and blow that out. Three, two, one. Come on, that's your power right there. That's your power right there. 
Yeah, that's your power. That's your reminder that you have work to do. Let's do that again. Go ahead and breathe it in for a count of five. Come on, you could do it. Five, four, three, two, one. And go ahead and release that breath. Come on, say light in this moment. You've been called for it. You got this. God trusts you with this time. Our last time for another count, we'll take it down to four. And here we go. Breathe it in, breathe it in. Four. Mm-hmm. Three. Uh-huh. Two. One. Go ahead and breathe that out. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Carmen, um, for the spirit that moves in you, for your passion, for your courage. I've had a chance to glimpse and witness that, and it matters. So I, I uh, met Pastor Carmen when she walked in the door and told her there were some texts flying around, and uh, clear around that among this, amongst the texts was what an honor it is for this community to have her with us. So thank you. And we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. I love, and I think we always need the reminder that our God reigns, that our God is God. I love the reminder that our God is big enough that he can handle our frustration and our concerns and those moments when we feel like we are forsaken, those moments when we feel like, where are you, God? I love that our God is so big that he can handle our grief and our loss and our joy. I love that our God says, come to me, all those that are weary, and I will give you rest. And that's what we hang on to as a community. We hang on to that promise that God is with us always. Because that is what we have. And that matters. That God that we follow on the night before he died, he sat at a table with his disciples and he took bread. And after giving thanks to his father above, he broke that bread. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And likewise, he took the cup, and after pouring wine into the cup, he said, this is my blood shed for you, the new covenant. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So that's what we do is, as you take your communion, and you can take that wafer out of the top and get ready to dip it into the cup we remember this God that is big enough. We remember that in the midst of chaos and injustice and just messiness, in the midst of discouragement and sorrow, our God is big enough and that our God does reign. So as you take your bread, your wafer, and you dip it into your cup, hear these words. The body of Christ broken for you. 
and his blood shed for you. Now please stand and together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen i, I want to do something really quick before we wrap up and we go to dinners pastor carmen can you come just in this actually you know you can stay right there i'm not going to put you on the spot again but i want us to pray for her because I want us to pray for her. So before we benedict and we walk on out, can you do whatever is comfortable for you? If you want to extend a hand towards Pastor Carmen, let's just pray really quick. Jesus, what a good gift you have given our city, our country, our world in the person that is Pastor Carmen means. God, we are grateful for her. We are grateful for her courage. We're grateful for her convictions that she stands in who she is. God, that you have made her into this incredible leader that is changing things, God, that is changing me, Lord. We are better because she is here. We also know that she's hurting here. So God, we pray over Pastor Carmen. We pray over the family. We pray over the loss. We pray over the memories. We pray over the space where we come around the wound. In the midst of all this, God, we choose to believe, we choose to trust that you are faithful. Help that to move from our minds to our hearts and turn into convictions. In Christ's name, we are grateful for this leader. Amen. Friends, no matter who you are or what you've done, who you love or what you've lost, where you've gone or the places that you've stayed, Know that there will always be a seat here for you at the table because you are a beloved child of God. And beloved, you belong. Go in peace. We'll see you next Sunday.